our two ninjas, CFCR 90.5 FM. It's time for the nerdy news. It's time for Punch Radio. And in studio, you have Brennan and Jody and Dave. We will hear from Craig and Hank a little later. We have a whole bunch of different stuff to talk about. I mentioned at the very tail end of last week's show to go out and buy The Ghost in You. So we're going to spend a little time talking about how awesome that is. We got a couple of comics to review. Brennan wants to talk about Hit Me. I want to talk about Donald Duck because it is one of the free comic book day titles. And that's coming up in two weeks. Oh my goodness. So mark your calendars if you haven't already. Happiest day of the year. It is Saturday, May 7th. You can go to any comic store in North America and get free comics. And our city is certainly no exception. And Amazing Stories has an amazing selection of uh, really great books for all ages, as well as an artist alley with like nine different artists and yeah, lots of cool stuff happening. So as we get closer to that event, we will talk about it a little bit more. But in the meantime, we're going to lead with kind of some more solemn, sad news about a very funny man. So Gilbert Gottfried recently passed away, and he is awesome. He's going to be, be very, very much missed. Um, me personally, one of my favorite things about him, his stand-up was awesome. That's kind of what I liked him best for, but I have a really soft spot for his role as Mr. Peabody in Problem Child, 1990, and of course, subsequently, Problem Child 2. This is a very beleaguered administrator in a school who has to deal with this kid, who is a genius, but is absolutely a problem child. And it's a terrible movie. Both of the movies are terrible, but I kind of love them. Yeah, it's special in my heart and he is special for that. Um, and I also really liked he had two brief little cameos in Home Movies in 2004 and in Greg the Bunny in 2006. I gotta love that. So Brennan, what is your favorite Gilbert Gottfried vehicle? I'm also a huge, huge fan of his stand-up, uh, particularly his, his style, right? Penn Jillette said that comedians don't do jokes, they do routines. Except for Gilbert Gottfried, he would go out and do jokes. And that was his routine. He would go out and do joke after joke after joke. There are even some jokes that are so old. The first time I heard them, I knew what he was going to say. Growing up, I was a huge fan of uh, the A&E's Night at the Improv, if you remember that TV show. So I was in grade, what, like six or seven, I guess, it was on. And it was one of my favorite shows to watch before I went to bed. That was, <laughs> and that shows my personality. And I remember seeing Gilbert Gottfried on there and I didn't really know who he was, but I liked his style, I liked the fact that he had this distinct voice and he was just so different. I like my comics. I always like the B characters and the ones who don't quite fit in. And for me, that was Gilbert Gottfried. Now he's someone who's gone full circle and now he's become like a comics comic, like someone who never stopped working and kept doing the same thing and stuck to his guns to the point where now he's become like a comic legend. Um, when I first got my first podcast and got into that, uh, Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast. If you haven't heard it, it's wonderful. He purposely interviews uh, celebrities who are in their senior years, who might be passing away, people whose stories we might lose. And that's who he focuses on, uh, comedians, character actors, uh, someone that had a small part, or maybe someone who was big, who's now in their 80s or 90s, and it might be their last interview. Uh, so if you're interested in Hollywood history and listening to Gilbert Gottfried just riff on people, uh, check out the podcast. He was also Krang on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So, you know, that was kind of fun. 
there was also a documentary that came out called Gilbert that goes into his life and it shows him as a family man. And when you see him on stage, you'd think he's so much like one person, but in real life, he's so much not. He always said his biggest fantasy was that he would get to a show and before the performance, he would find out the show got canceled or the club burned down. So he'd get paid to leave um, because he was actually quite frightful of performing, but he had to do it. It was one of those things he did as a kid. He did his first comedy routine when he was 15, doing impersonations of like Bala Lugosi and people that, that no one else really knew. So yeah, check that documentary. I got to see Gilbert Gottfried live here in Saskatoon at the Dakota Dunes. Um, I had my picture taken with him. Um, it's at my other place. I'd like hold it up to the camera. Viewers couldn't see it anyway. Um, but that was great. It was awesome seeing him alive because it was just like listening to his routines on Apple Music or wherever you listen to music. There's the Gilbert Gottfried Dirty Jokes record, which is hilarious. Um, I'm sure I've heard it somewhere else as a kid because listening to it, I recognize a lot of it, but I, I don't know why. I think my grandfather had like Nestor Pister records. And I feel like they're like along the same the same kind of vibe. So maybe that's what it was. Yeah, no, I've just always been a really, really big fan. And I actually got a couple of text messages that day. Like, oh, I heard Gilbert Godfrey passed away. Sorry, I know how much you were a big fan. So, so yeah, it was, it was sad that, that we kind of lost another, another person um, of, you know, of well-known celebrity status, you know, and someone who's so distinctive, he'll definitely be missed. And the Aristocrats, watch the Aristocrats documentary. If you haven't seen it, uh, Penn Gillette does a documentary about the dirtiest joke ever told. Um, and Gilbert Gottfried has been known, he's been considered to have told the greatest version of that ever told at the Hugh Hefner roast when they do those roasts on TV. And it was fairly after 9-11 and Gilbert Gottfried, and I, the whole audience was really low. No one was getting into it. Uh, Gilbert Gottfried made a joke how uh, he, I'm sorry, I'm late, but I couldn't get a flight from New York or something. And like the crowd kind of reacted weird and like too soon, someone yelled out. And then he just went into the aristocrats, like just off the cuff, was not planned. And it completely changed the vibe of the room. And it was like, it was the first time that people felt they could laugh again. So that one's considered the greatest tongue of that joke ever. So the fact that a comedian has that under their belt, uh, I think is amazing. And no one else could probably do it like him. So check out whatever Gilbert Gottfried you can find. The stamp stuff is amazing. I'm a huge fan. So sorry to hear of his passing. Yeah, I when I think of him, I think of Norm MacDonald and Adam Sandler. I think those guys were on SNL at the same time, although they had different roles and different runs. They seemed to pop up in each other's work. I can remember hearing Gilbert's voice on Adam Sandler's early comedy albums. And, you know, before Adam Sandler became like a movie conglomerate of his own, those three kind of stuck together and worked together. So, you know, I guess we still have Adam Sandler, but now this means that Norm MacDonald and Gilbert are both are both gone. One of my favorite Gilbert things actually is his appearance on Norm MacDonald's short-lived podcast that you can still watch on YouTube. I think they only did maybe like nine 90-minute episodes of that podcast, and he had nine different guests, and one of them was Gilbert. And yeah, you got to see a little bit of what Brennan was talking about of like how he does tell jokes and he is being a comedian, but he's also with Norm being kind of a real guy and a real person too. And they're having a lot of fun together in that podcast. So it's not at all maudlin to go back after the fact and, and check it out. You will laugh. Uh, you, it will make you happy. Um, it's just It's just sad to know that those guys are both gone. Yeah. It's interesting that he kind of steps in two different comic worlds 
because he does have that body of work where he is, you know, a little blue and he's, he tells it like it is. And yet at the same time, he's like this Disney voice icon. Like he's done so many different voices for animated work that children know him completely different than adults do. So hopefully the children will grow up and see his other work and uh, not be too traumatized by that. But uh, yeah, rest in peace, Gilbert. He's, he's gonna live on in a lot of different ways and a lot of different works. He absolutely well, it's included. It's included in the documentary too. There's this uh, child that had a severe autism and like wasn't verbal and couldn't speak, but loved Aladdin. And then one day the dad started talking in the parrot voice. And that was the only voice the child would respond to. So he would put a puppet on and talk to the kid as the, I can't remember the parent's name. And then later on, the kid began to learn more and develop and Gilbert Godfrey actually went and met this kid and stuff. And it was really cool. So yeah, someone who's like so sweet and just has that part of him, but also has a whole other side like we all do. So there we go. All right. Well, let's throw things over to Hank and Craig and see how they are doing in the pop culture world this week. And then we'll talk about uh, Ghost in You and some other comics. So take it away, fellas. Hey, everybody. It's Craig Silliphant for Punch Radio on CFCR 90.5 FM. And I'm here with my good buddy, Hank Cruz. Uh, we've got a few things to talk about today. Hank, I know there's some shows you've been watching. What do you got? What do I got? I, I got uh, the need for speed. That's what I've got. I don't know. I just watched uh, the video the game or the movie. I uh, watched the Maverick trailer with uh, my daughter for how many times have you seen the trailer? 900 times. You, yeah. And allegedly it's coming out right away. And so I told her that this week, uh, and you mentioned too, you're going to uh, go see the bad guys, uh, which my son is really excited about. Yep. And then my daughter's like, uh, we're going to a movie. Is it Maverick? Do I get to see Goose's son? I'm like, no, not, not quite yet, but we're coming. She's dad, we need to go see that so bad. I need to know what happened to Goose. I'm like, you know what happened to Goose yeah, we, his head we watched the, the movie. Canopy, he died, yeah. And like the, the whole thing, yeah, but his, his son's there and we're going to learn more things. Like, oh, okay, man. Like, yeah, so we're going to go see the bad guys and she thinks that we're going to Maverick. I don't know what's up, but speed. they shot more footage for Maverick than they did for all three Lord of the Rings movies combined. <laughs> because of all the aerial stunts they shoot 12 14 hours a day shooting these like stunts and stuff but oh, you yeah. get maybe like 30 seconds of usable footage like in a day so uh man i know there's a lot of people that are like oh i don't know man top gun that's stupid tom cruise is stupid this is all stupid i'm super cool but i i can't i mean i'm so jacked for this movie <laughs> like I'm i uh am ripped off that there were so many release dates and what we'll do it here we'll do there just release the movie already like i don't want to wait any longer so now it's may something i don't know when it is but yeah i'm very excited may sixth or something like it's coming right up yeah, I do, I do enjoy me some Mavericks, so we're going to be okay. But out of everything, and I think I mentioned it before, uh, but watching the original with uh, my daughter, and I'm thinking like, okay, she'll all be, oh, Tom Cruise or Val Kilmer. No, she was Goose all the way. It's like, oh, that Goose. I'm like, really? Really? Out of all the guys, Goose is your, yeah, okay. Talk to and me, then, Goose. Uh, yeah, the, then when he bit it, she was pretty upset. <laughs> pretty hey, upset there. We all. <laughs> Not my Goose. Yeah. Generation cried out in terror. Speaking of uh, serious topics, uh, have you heard of a show called The Girl from Plainville? I think I've and heard of Plain, it. P-L-A-I-N, not the flying thing, Plainville. It is based on uh, the true story of where uh, they tried to prosecute uh, a teenager for uh, some texts that she had sent right. to her boyfriend telling him to kill himself. 
And so he went and he did complete suicide. And uh, then they uh, went after her for this. It's a Hulu show that is now, it, the first episode is out on the W Network here in Canada. But if you get Hulu, like I do, uh, most of the episodes are out already. So there's eight, eight episodes in total there's going to be. I didn't know how they were going to go about filming it if they were going to kind of more of a take sides on this. But I've seen six out of the eight episodes already. And it is very serious. And they are coming at it from all sides. So you can see the, the guy who passed away, his family, what they're going through. The girl who's on trial, you can see what her family's going through. The prosecutors, you can see them and what their agenda is. And it's like the reason why. And the police officer who dug into this to get them to prosecute it in the first place, you can see his side of the story. But in the end, I have never watched a more depressing show in my life. And having children and then watching what everybody's going through again i don't remember what happened with the trial so i'm not reading anything about it until the end but in like there's no winners here like and right. sending her to jail and once you go through all this stuff i'm like oh man but it's they're doing a very good job um very well cast and um so l l fanning is uh playing the girl that convinced her boyfriend and then like chloe 70 i think that's how you pronounce her name she's plays the, the boy's mom and this colton ryan guy i've never heard of before but he's the the main guy that uh completed suicide there and his, his acting is great like they're well written and it's not i thought it was going to be more preachy or more you're just like going after l fanning's character like you need to go to jail but no it's not like that it's like from all sides it's quite the uh it's more honestly more of a, a documentary feel than it is a show but uh so, if you want to get depressed uh there you go does it like sustain for that many like to me it's like it seems like it's like it's a super fascinating case obviously yeah. but it's pretty like quick in and out like in terms of like the the parameters of it it kind of reminds me of the staircase which is like again a really fascinating case and there was a, a docu-series about it where you were on the defense team basically through the whole thing and it was sort of this mix of like it was really interesting to be right in the room when they're discussing like strategy and stuff. But ultimately you're like, you don't really have enough material here for 12 hours of yeah. talking about like a, this, this couple staircases. They, they never even showed the courtroom until I think episode five. So it's about the, the crazy thing to me is that the girl's parents never heard of her boyfriend. They didn't know this guy even existed until all of a sudden the cops show up at the house and or I guess before when she's crying her eyes out that her boyfriend died and they're like, who, what is happening here? We've never even heard of this guy before, but it shows their relationship and how everything was put together in his life before he met her, her life before and some family issues and things. So by the time it gets to episode five in the courtroom, well, you already know so much about the relationship. It's like, right. and now we're looking at the prosecutors where they're really trying to make a name for themselves because this was an unprecedented uh, case where they're like, oh, we can set precedent here. Oh, we're going to be famous. Let's go and prosecute her. And now it's more like, oh, you're trying to get famous by sending this girl to jail than actually doing something. Because even the family of the guy that passed away was like, what are you doing here? But yeah, it's uh, quite interesting. So check it out. But it's very sad. Very sad. So you need an uplifting show to watch after. I can tell you those shows would not be Picard or Moon Knight. Uh, I know we talked about this last week, so I won't belabor the point, but I've watched another episode of each show since then. Uh, and they both just, well, especially Picard got worse. I found with Moon Knight, 
I realized like I'm watching the show and then I'm like, I don't understand half of what's going on, which isn't necessarily the show's fault, except for the fact that it's been so boring that I start to tune out. And then I realize I have no idea what's going on, which makes the show no good. Like, so anyway, I don't want to belabor that point, but I just wanted to, to add that. What I have been watching this week though, uh, in terms of good shows, I've only seen one episode and I know at least two have dropped, but Better Call Saul started its sixth and yes. final season, 13 more episodes. They're breaking it into two parts. The other half starts in July. At this point, we are catching up to like, I remember when the show started, people were like, oh, it's boring. And I was like, no, it's a brilliant character study. But like, it was very different from Breaking Bad. Now we're catching up to Breaking Bad and the show is kind of like a cross between both things. It's the excitement of Breaking Bad, but the character of Better Call Saul. So like I said, I've only seen one episode so far, but it like, it's it. what I saw was awesome. And the other thing uh, I've watched four episodes of now is the new season of Atlanta. I know Dave talked about it a couple of weeks ago, so I won't go too far into it. But to me, like everyone praises Jordan Peele. And I'm like, no, no, no. Donald Glover is is like doing all the things that everyone thinks Jordan Peele is doing, like other than the sort of horror aspect. But the, there's been two out of four episodes. So if you haven't seen the show, it's like Donald Glover, like, created the show and he stars as Ern, who is a somewhat like he's a lot more put together in later seasons but early on he's kind of you know uh directionless and he's the manager uh of his cousin Paperboy, who's like an up-and-coming rapper and so now by season is this three season three uh Paperboy is a little more famous they're going on a tour in europe and so it's some of their adventures but there's been two episodes that have nothing to do so far with the main narrative which is gutsy uh, and can even be like, like even the first episode, you're like, we haven't seen these characters in years because of COVID. And the first episode, like basically earns in it in the last like five seconds. And it's about this kid who was basically taken in by this foster couple and ended up, you know, the whole family being kind of a murder suicide situation. And I didn't know this until after, but it was based on a true story. Uh, of a real uh, black kid that this happened to, you know, in, in the state somewhere. Uh, so anyway, just the show is just brilliant. It's operating on this other level. Uh, the, the the other episode that doesn't feature Earn and Paperboy and Darius is like uh, about this guy who is has this job and then, and then there's all these news stories coming out about like black people seeking reparations for slavery and all the white people are panicking and searching out their lineage. And like, it's just, it's just a great look at like, both how white people and black people process this stuff and just some of the, it's just brilliant satire. Like I said, it's everything Jordan Peele wants to be uh, is what Donald Glover's throwing down over there. So, uh, and is it could, uh, in its final season now, or it's, or there's going to be another one? I feel like there was a, either this one or the next one was going to be the last one. So, you know, I think it's you don't want to drag these things out too long, but like it's it's pretty brilliant. So, uh, we've got to like cut her short here and throw back to Jody. But I want to just quickly mention Sask Expo is in town uh, next weekend, and I will be doing panels with uh, Carrie Elwes from The Princess Bride and Wilson Cruz and Anthony Rapp from Star Trek. Uh, discovery and of course shows like days confused in my so-called life so uh, that'll be really fun uh, and, we'll talk and we're going to be shooting punch tv there as well, we'll be shooting so. punch tv there as well so uh, back to jody see you later okay Bye. thank you so yes last week i said go get the ghost in you the new reckless book by ed brubaker and sean phillips and i'm still not wrong I've had now time to read through it a couple times and it's a really great book. So this is the fourth in the Reckless series. Uh, it's the story of uh, Ethan Reckless and he's a, 
an interesting guy, sort of a PI. He lives in an old movie theater, which is run sort of managed by his pal, Anna, uh, who is like a teenage, you know, bit of a punk. Yeah, I mean, and that. also a burgeoning private eye in her own right. Absolutely. And so they sometimes work cases together. The last book had some like interpersonal stuff between them. And in this book, Ethan's away on a case. And so Anna ends up having to take it on. And so it centers around her and that she's a fantastic lead. Her way of solving crimes is amazing. It's very Hollywood. So the story basically goes around this woman comes to see her uh, because she understands that, you know, they solve crimes. And her issue is that she's worried that her house might be haunted. And she is an Elvira type. She's a lady who had a horror career and then ended up this hosting midnight runs of TV show horror flicks. And so she's got this house that a fan left to her and weird things are happening and her dog has disappeared. So she hires Anna to go and investigate. Meanwhile, there's a bunch of stuff happening in Anna's life with her estranged mother. So that kind of diverts some of her attention, but she's still doing this investigation on this supposedly haunted house and all the kind of strange people in the neighborhood. The artwork is so good. Sean Phillips is just a genius. It, you are in that neighborhood. You are in that house. You are wherever she goes. It, you are with Anna the whole time. It's so well done. Yeah, the storytelling and the art are not just really well done, but they, they go really well together. Because Brubaker is always putting you in these sort of B-movie noir settings with haunted houses and Elvira-type characters and second-run movie theaters and stuff like that. And the artwork just keeps up with it step for step. Anna gives me kind of an Enid Coleslaw feeling in this. Totally. Uh, uh, who, who you might know from Daniel Klaus's Ghost World comics. She looks like her a little bit, but she's also this sort of curious type, which makes her an interesting private eye. Just like Enid, she will take that step into weirdness and oddity that a lot of other people won't take. And of course, that makes both stories really fun to read. Yeah. It's great. Just pick it up. Fantastic read and just can't wait until they do more, more, more because I will be there to devour all of it. Brennan, you read a really cool book this week. What was that? I did. This was a bit of a surprise. Um, sometimes you pick something off the shelf that kind of jumps out at you. This book is called Hit Me and it's written by Krista Faust and art by Priscilla Petrates. Petretes? Sorry if I pronounced that wrong, Priscilla. Um, I saw it on the shelf. It was new this week. I picked it up. I kind of flipped through and I could tell by flipping through it, it looks like someone wrong, wrong area, wrong time gets involved in some kind of mystery thing. I'm like, okay, art is good. I don't mind this. I get to the front page and just because I'm skimming, I'm not looking that carefully. And I read the, the first caption box of the comic, which says spanking is cheap. You want to hit me in the face. It's $50 more. I'm like, wait, what? what? What is this? And then I look more carefully and our main character is bruised all over her body. So this is a book about um, a woman who works in as a, a BDSM professional. And the first part of the book talks about her life and her clients and kind of what she does. And then she gets involved 
in this uh, murder mystery type of thing. So the plot itself kind of follows wrong place, wrong time. What do I do now? Except um, her life is quite different than the average person. At the back of the book, there is a two-page letter from Krista Faust, who is the author. And she says right off the top, before I even started on this project, I knew that Hit Me was going to be a challenging read for many people. People who aren't familiar with the real BDSM dynamics and complex uh, nuanced reality of sex work. She has been involved in this lifestyle. She has been in professional in this lifestyle. It's a, she's writing from an area that she knows. So when she's writing about what it's like to be part of this culture, it's, it's from a place of, of knowledge and experience, not someone outside looking in. And she's saying how on the news, you hear a lot about uh, sex trafficking and, and things. And her point is, there are strong professional women who choose to do this type of thing for a career and they should be celebrated because they're making choices a lot of people wouldn't. Uh, Priscilla made the comment that as soon as she found out about the project that she was all in and that she could write a compelling story and kind of take it away from the male gaze, even though it's dealing with very um, adult kind of situations. It takes place in the 90s, which is kind of cool. So it's like a neat sort of 90s vibe to it. I'm really interested to see where this is going to go. Like I said, the, the setup is a little bit front to back. The artwork, it could be like a manga slice of life kind of book, you know, like very clean artwork, very easy to look at and figure out what's going on, just with more of an adult edge. If you want something that's not superhero-like with a bit of a crime spin to it, yeah, check out Hit Me. It was a, a really neat surprise through AWA Upshot Publishing. All right. Well, that sounds really cool. Now I have one that is not like that at all. It is the uh, Walt Disney Donald Duck comic. Um, and it is part of the Disney Masters uh, program. And uh, this is for free comic book day. So that's, as I said before, May 7th. It actually I says dollar sign 0, 0.00 on the cover. That's a nice touch. It is. Um, and it does have a very Scroogey story in it with Scrooge McDuck and, and Donald having nightmares and dreams of $1 million going back and forth between them, which is actually really good. That's the first story, Snore Losers. And then you have a goofy story, Here Today Gone Apollo. Then you've got another Donald story, Fall Guy. And then you've got the Big Bad Wolf with Family Feud. So it's actually quite a thick book. You get four full stories and they're classic. Like this is great for any age. They've put it as a T for teen. Um, because it, I mean, it's wordy and there's a lot going on in each of these stories, but it's classic. It's beautiful. And I actually kind of forgotten how fun it is to read a Disney comic. It's been a while since I picked up a Goldie or a Whitman. Did you have a chance to read any of this, uh, Brennan? Well, it was a really fun read. It was nice to the other titles that I usually like to read. Um, what I found really impressive with this Walt Disney book, much like the Archie books and things as well, is how well they've retained the artwork style, as well as the style of the story. When you look at the four stories, we have Snore Losers, that was first published in 1990, Here Today Gone Apollo, which was published in 1982, Fall Guy, published in 1965, The Family Feud, that was published in 2015. And if you didn't know the dates and were reading from story to story, you could not tell the difference of which decade which story came from which I think is really neat. There's this timelessness, this classic look to it. Um, even the story is kind of following the same kind of formula where everybody wants something and no matter what they do, it never seems to quite work out, but it's always fun in the end. So um, yeah, and like you said, having four stories, one a free comic, I think is really cool. And just, it's so nostalgic. It's getting to 
go back and see these different lighten cleanse your palate a little bit go check out a free donald duck comic okay that's one of many that will be available on may 7th that wraps up another episode of punch radio so you know where to find us here on cfcr 90.5 until next week keep your dukes up Thank you.